Lord, you are gracious to us. You blessed us. Lord, there's a lot of ill and infirmed people of our church. I pray that you put your healing touch upon them. Lord, by far, though, I would say the spiritual needs are our greatest. So, Lord, if there is a spiritual need among anyone listening today, that you would help them to respond, whether it's starting with me, I would be the first one that you would ask that you'd work in my heart as I speak. Lord, help us as we think about the future. Lord, we are a world, we are living, it would seem, in the very last of the last days. We looked at the Ezekiel, the war in Ezekiel 38 and 39. That could happen without any, it could happen. I mean, so, Lord, we don't know how everything's going to happen, when it's going to happen, but we know it is. We know you're in control. Lord, we should be about your business. We should be planning for the future eternity in heaven. We should be trying to, with your help, to guide us to people who need to hear the gospel and would share this wonderful news that we already are part of. May we share it with others. May we not be us for no more mindset. May we be about your business. Bless those teaching downstairs. May our lives reflect you to others this week. Be with us as we prepare for Christmas. Lord, there are so many things that have to be done, so many things that have to be worked on, practiced, etc. But Lord, we, our purpose in our Christmas programs is to draw our attention to you, who is the Christ of Christmas. So Lord, through music, word, whatever is done, done next week or so, may it be honoring to you. Bless our caroling time on Friday. May we be a blessing to those we carol to. And ask all these things in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, we've been in a series, we are in a series for I'm not sure how long, I'm not going to predict how many messages, God's prophetic schedule. And so we've talked about, we talked about the return of Christ, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 today, the day of the Lord, I will give you a quick ideology of what the day, uh, idea what the day of the Lord is in its entirety, if you look at chart number 3, right on the back of the, right, the colored one, on the same side as the colored one, chart number 3, if you look over here where it says the rapture of the, uh, of the church, uh, there, all the way over to where it says a new heaven and new earth, that's the day of the Lord. So it is, in a broad sense, the day of the Lord. It talks about Christ returning to the earth, etc. And then he's coming back the second time that we find at the, for the rapture, seven years later at least. We find he comes back with the, with the church. He sets up his kingdom for a thousand years. At the end of that thousand years, Satan's loose. There's a big battle. You see it there. And then there's the new heaven and new earth. That's the day of the Lord. All these things incorporating. Now, sometimes it's used in a more narrow sense, but that's the broad term of the day of the Lord. Shall we go to the text? The most important part of any message I will say over and over, and you will hear it again, is the inclusion and talking about and reading of God's Word. So if you have your Bibles there, if you forgot your Bible... Uh, or want a Bible, I will certainly give you a Bible. I'll give you one of mine, or I'll buy you one. I'll be happy if you don't have a Bible. We have Bibles in the back. If you want to get your own, they're free. If you want one, not only do you need one, you need to read it. Does you no good to not read it. But of the times and of the seasons, brethren, I'm reading in 1 Thessalonians 5, you have no need that I write unto you because he has written those things and talked about them when he's at the church of Thessalonica, reading between verse 1 and 2. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a what? Thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them. And here's the motif again, as travail upon a woman with child, that they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that that day should overtake you as a thief. And praise the Lord for that. Ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the darkness, night or of, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. 
For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us, who are of the day, be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and for an helmet, the hope of salvation, reminiscent of Ephesians chapter 6. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, praise the Lord for that, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, remember sleep referring to the death of a believer, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort one yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. May the Lord's blessing to the reading of his word. A Thief in the Night will be probably the next sermon's title regarding this, but today is the day of the Lord. There are so many pieces of the puzzle that are falling together. What happened in 1948 that sort of started the ball rolling? Israel became a nation. Very good. And so we have found, though, that even the United Nations is so much against Israel. Since the inception of the United Nations Human Rights Council, nearly half of all of their declarations have been against Israel. More, uh, as nearly as many as all the other put together. So there's this hatred, this anti-Semitism. If there's something in the news right now, it is the anti-Semitic. Now, as a general term, anti-Semitic would refer to any people of the Semitic uh, origin. But today, when you say anti-Semitic, it specifically usually means the Jew alone. So there's a lot of anti-Jewish sentiment. Matter of fact, if you have followed the news, one of the three presidents who's testified before Congress last week resigned this week because of the things she said that were just wrong regarding Israel. I'll just say it that way. It was wrong. Uh, and so we find then that there's been a rebirth. Uh, it, uh, Russia has become a power, the Russian people. There's the resurgence of militant Islam. Have we not seen a resurgence of militant Islam there's been an upsurge of a sodomite culture, society. We have the LGBTQ plus array. Matter of fact, just this week, December the 6th, Russia banned the LGBTQ extremist movement in Russia. Did you read that this week? Because they are incites social and religious hatred. Russia did that. Really, what I... Well, I'll just stop right there. Now, the time, uh, we've, we have these titles of this period. Shall we go to Revelation? When preachers get in trouble, it's when they stray from their notes in the Word of God. So we're just zero back in on Revelation chapter 16, verse 12. This day of the Lord. So I, have, I hope you have your Bibles. I hope you have some that sticky tack that they have at banks and things. I have one at my office to do papers because we're going to do a lot of page turning today. So I, 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 I hope we're okay with that. Revelation 16, verse 12. And the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates. We're in the tribulation period. Now, this text is in the tribulation period. We're not in the tribulation period yet. This text is in the tribulation period. And the water there was dried up, that the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Who in the world could that be? China. And shall three, then I saw three unclean spirits, like frogs come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Here's what I wanted to read. For they are the spirits of devils working miracles which go forth unto the kings of the earth and of the whole world to gather them to the battle of that great day of God Almighty. Gathering them together for the battle of Armageddon. The great day of God Almighty. 
It is one of those titles, this day of the Lord, it's, it's a broad title, but sometimes it narrows into a specific event, the battle of Armageddon. Now, we have seen the word Armageddon used for space flight out there to, to destroy, I think it was a meteor or something like that. We've seen Armageddon here and Armageddon, the end of the world. Can I just say now that we humanity does not face the end of the world? Now, this earth is going to be changed by fire, Second Peter chapter 3, 10, 11, and 12. But we, there's just no end of the world. Now, we do move from one era to another. I'm looking forward to the moving to the era of in heaven. Aren't you looking forward to that? Yeah. Then the tribulation and then the thousand-year reign of Christ. Aren't you looking forward to moving into that era? Yes, we are. But we don't just simply stop to exist. And, and annihilationism that we just simply stop existing is so not true. Aren't you looking forward to eternal life? Yes. Why are you here? Well, my mom and dad made me get up and go to church today. Okay, but if you're, if you're okay, you're over 18. So why are you here? We're here to serve the Lord, to learn about Him, and to show our allegiance to Christ, and, to, and to, to hone one another in a biblical way, and rub the rough edges. You're rubbing them off me. I'm hopefully rubbing them off you. And we're serving the Lord. We're inviting other people to join us in this journey. To, But we're not there yet. And we're on a journey that we should really work on enjoying the journey as we go. It's going to get better. Well, let me just say, in a, a crowd this size, there are probably some who don't really aren't on the journey, the right journey. What does it say about this broad way that leads, I'm sorry, where does the broad way lead? To destruction. The, the, the narrow path, it's not only, we like this, oh, the narrow gate, it's that turnstile where you've got to go through one at a time, now, not only is the turnstile narrow, the path is narrow as well. Few there be that find it. Have you found the path? His name is Jesus. He died on the cross from the cradle and the shadow of a cross. I have a picture at home. It has a picture of Joseph pounding, and the sunlight comes through, and baby Jesus is picking up a, one of the three nails, the, and his shadow is a cross. It is a, one of my favorite pictures ever. And that's why he came. That we might have life. So it's the day of Almighty God. If you look with me just for a moment at Matthew now, 24. Matthew 24. So this is the day of the Lord. He's coming back to judge believers as well as unbelievers. We know that. But his physical return is preceded by, his return to earth is preceded by this tribulation time. Matthew 24 speaks to this. This is part of the Olivet Discourse, speaking of the tribulation period, not of the rapture, of this point. 21, for then, Matthew 24, 21, for then shall be great tribulation such as was not since the beginning of the world, so to this time, nor, nor ever shall be. Before we read the next verse, if you'll notice on your chart, which I agree with Dr. This is Dr. Bob Shelton. He's in glory, not worrying about who's using his charts now, but I'll give him complete credit. It says right here, if you look up here, it says, you'll see Satan comes in, he drops down during the 70th week of Daniel, and he titles the last three and a half years the Great Tribulation. Now, some would say, no, all of it's great, but I sort of agree. Why would you say that? Because in verse 15 of the same book, when you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place. This is mid-tribulation. It happens right there in the middle. Satan's cast out of heaven, if you would, or is, is limited, etc., cast to the earth. 
And then we have this verse 21, if you want to follow that part chronologically, shall be great tribulation. Why? Because he's going to persecute Christians, especially the Jewish people. He's going to do that. Now, this, this time of, of tribulation is, is like nothing else has ever happened. The church at Philadelphia, in, in Revelation chapter 3, you want to turn over there, Revelation 3.10, the church at Philadelphia, he says, and we love this verse. You may not even know it, but you should love it. Verse 10 of Revelation 3.10, Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon what? all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. It's, it's, it's called the great day of God Almighty in Revelation, a time of great darkness, but also a time of great blessing. I believe, and many would agree, it'll be the time of the greatest revival in the world ever because we have 144,000 Jewish people who are helping the Christ, Jews, uh, who are serving him. We have people getting saved. People have never heard the gospel getting saved and sharing the gospel. And people, it's going to be a short time. And probably they found the book of the Bible and started reading the Bible. What's, well, right here it says, we need to get right with God. So there's going to be a great revival of those who have never heard the gospel and clarity and power and authority before the rapture. They will have opportunity, one final opportunity, these seven years, to receive Christ as Savior. Time of darkness, yes, but a time of also great blessing, for Christ is going to come and to rule and to reign. You'll see in chart 3 that he comes back here. It says at the top, right in the middle, revelation of Christ. He comes back to rule and to reign. We come back with him. There's a 75-day window, and then the thousand-year millennial reign of Christ begins. It's going to be wonderful. That's the era we are, should be looking forward to, is it not? Even more than that, the eternal state with Christ forever. So when God uses this time of tribulation to bring the Jews to Christ, Jews, and I just was watching a, a pre-mail, a pre-mail, a, uh, like a little caption, a trailer for a new movie called I Am Israel. I've not watched it yet, not seen it yet, I shall be able to. But Israel today has, has done some marvelous things uh, regarding agriculture, etc. But religiously, Israel is still, the Orthodox Jews do not, own Christ as their Messiah. There's one way. There's seven years for the Jewish people. They're going to have seven final years. And by the end of that tribulation time, the nation as a whole will say, Jesus is the Messiah. It's not happened yet. It won't happen until Christ brings this tribulation time upon Israel. The church is not mentioned from Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Through into Revelation 19. The church is not found in the tribulation time. That's why I believe we've been raptured, caught up, caught away. That's why I'm a pre, we'll talk about that later on, pre-tribulation rapturist. That's why I'm that. So God will use his tribulation to bring the Jews and many Gentiles to Christ. Those who have not heard the gospel have opportunity, I believe. John R. Rice would say this. He would say, as long as there's life as there's hope, but the majority of fundamental Bible teachers who believe in a literal interpretation of the scripture would say, if you reject Christ on this side of the rapture, you will believe in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 11, that the, the, the lie, the delusion, the strong delusion, and you will not have opportunity to receive Christ. We could be wrong. Hope so. 
Do you ever think, did you ever say you hoped you're wrong about something? That's what I hope. I hope we're wrong, but people can be saved. Because, but I'm, there's no guarantee. And why would you want to go through the tribulation time anyway when you can be in heaven? The, he's calling out a bride, not some beat up, absolutely trampled, persecuted bride. He's going to call the bride home. Look at the Jewish wedding picture and the symbolism. He calls the bride out before he brings all the trouble to the earth. The Jewish people, weren't, the Jews are not his bride. The church is. The Jews are his wife, I believe. And so we're going to call them out. Revelation 22, 20. It says, He which testifieth of these things saith, Surely I come quickly, amen, even so come Lord Jesus. The central truth is that Christ is going to come back. His name means salvation. One half to uh, one quarter to one third of all the Bible's prophecy, somewhere in that general neighborhood, I can't give you a definitive uh, uh, percentage, one quarter to one third, somewhere in there is Bible prophecy. So we really don't preach that much on Bible prophecy compared to how much it is in the Bible. So we've taken some time to do that in the next few weeks, a few months possibly. But it says in Revelation 19.10, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. It's all about him. Do you not re- I know you realize that, but sometimes we just, it's about, the Bible's about him. There's a red thread of Christ from Genesis all the way through Revelation that he is the one true living God. And he is going to come back for us and take us to be with him. John 14, 1, let not your heart be troubled, you believe in God, etc. That Wonderful passage. Now, there are two distinct issues that often come up. We talk about the end times. I was talking with a gentleman this week about the, the nativity scene. I said, the wise men, why are there always three wise men in the pictures? Every picture. I was downloading it in the computer class. I said, one of the jobs in the computer class this week was change your background screen, wallpaper, desktop, whatever you want to call it, to a nativity scene. Well, how do you do that? Uh, well, they know how to do that now with a little bit of tootling here and there. Uh, but how do you do that? And so I, so I said, I asked my fellow I work with, I said, why are there always three wise men? And why are there always three wise men? I said, we don't know. Could have been five or 6,000 in the entourage come to Jerusalem. They weren't even kings. They weren't even kings. They brought gold and frankincense and myrrh, but why did, why did we just have to? Because there's three gifts, Balthazar, Gaspar, and Melchior. That's their names by tradition. But why do we have that? They didn't even arrive at the manger. Really? No. A year later? He was a toddler, perhaps. They, didn't, they weren't even there. So why do we have all these things about, there's so much misconception about these things. That's why you and I need to have a grab handle on, first question, what happens after we die? Somebody walks up to you tomorrow, work. Mr. Womack, what happens after we die? How are you going to answer that? You're going to, you should start with what the Bible says. If you've trusted in Christ as your very own personal Savior, you received Him by grace through faith, and you've asked Him to be your Lord and Savior, and you've asked Him into your heart and life, you might call it that way, however you want to terminate, but you have, you have submitted, you have repented, then you're a child of God. And you're going to go to be with him forever. If you reject Christ as personal Savior, I offer you no hope. Because you're going to die without Christ. You are going to go, and this very aptly predicts for us this flame. That's the lake of fire. But that you're going to go to a crisis eternity, I believe, in the center of this earth. 
And then you're going to be called to stand before God at the great white throne judgment. And then you have no recourse. Perhaps beside you will be Osama bin Laden on one side and Adolf Hitler on the other. Will be all, well, I don't know, but if you're standing there, your name will not be found in the book of life, nor the Lamb's book of life, which is only for believers, and you will be found not there. And he will say, depart from me, you little work iniquity. I did what? Never knew you. It's not that you had it, lost it. Jesus saves you. Jesus keeps you. And so we have that eternal assurance from Christ. So, first question, what happens after we die? Second question is, what happens at the end of the world? Now you can say, well, the Bible says that we live forever somewhere. Yes, this world you're, we are a part of right now will one day change in the millennial kingdom. And the Bible says one day it will be burned up. But there's going to be, the Bible says in Revelation 21, 22, a new heaven and a new earth. So this end of the world thing that we're all just annihilated and everything ceases to exist, that doesn't happen according to Scripture. This man who has these outlines, three of the four, I would ask him, he, come to, he came over to Brian and preached, wonderful Christian man. I said, now Dr. Shelton, where do you find this? He'd say, the Bible says in Ezekiel, the Bible says, and that is it. That's your ticket. It is it's not just fire insurance when I use that word ticket. Oh, I've got to get my ticket to go to heaven. It's much more than fire insurance. It's a, real, it's a way of, it's much more than religion. It's a relationship with the one true living God who wrote this book to us. It's his love letter to us that we can know that we know through his child. So our, our, really we speak of moving from one era, era to another Era, I think that's in a detergent era. Era would be a, a time of frame. Yes, I, I keep track of laundry detergents when they're on sale, etc. I, I have found that the, uh, the, the white one that has the no, no frills and all those no scents, that works best for us. So they have them. Now everybody's caught on to the tide and everybody has that no scent thing. So it's good. There we go. Back to our message. Hopefully I didn't get in trouble with that. Uh, so Paul, now Paul answers this question of what happens and, and back over in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. Can you rewind to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16? Who wrote the book of 1 Thessalonians? Paul wrote how many books in the New Testament? 13. I heard someone mumble that. Very good. Perhaps if you, can, if you think he wrote Hebrews, you would give him 14. Look what it says for us. What happens after we die? If we believe, 1 Thessalonians 4.14, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them sleep, and Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Yeehaw! Yippee! If, we were, if, I, was a, if I was back in the western world, yippee, yeehaw! So there we have, they're going to be raised. He's answered that question. Now he's moving on to this day of the Lord, which I will have to say, you preach on the day of the Lord is a huge topic. We are narrowing it down to this one passage for the next couple of messages. Fine, then there's going to be, we, you know, there's the rapture, the seven-year tribulation period. There's going to be a thousand-year reign of Christ on earth, the judgment of the, of the, uh, of the great white throne judgment, and then the new eternal order for eternity, that's the basic scheme of your outline there in your uh, pictures of chart three. The church age, 
the rapture. It's Daniel's 70th week. If you want to look on the back page of that, flip your chart over, and you will see Daniel's 70 weeks explained in chart 1. We've had 483 years of the 490 years, or 69 of the 70 weeks, and then chart 2 is that very 70th week of Daniel. The first 69 were for the Jews, so that means the last one's for the Jew. Thank you, for the Jews. There it is, Daniel's 70th week coming up in the future. And I think we are so, we are just on the cusp of these end times really ramping up. We're, I think we're already in it. We just haven't got to the rapture yet. By the way, the rapture has not occurred. Amen, right? Has, rapture hasn't occurred because you're here and you know Christ is, have you ever thought about, have you ever thought, I wonder if the rapture's happened because nobody was, we've gotten to church a couple times and we, is it the right day? And no one, it's like, it's like a Wednesday night and someone already, no one's, uh, you know, and I, I know I'm, but I, did the rapture happen while we were looking? What, what, what does the Bible say? Have you trusted Christ as Savior? Yes. Are you his child? Yes. Don't trust your feelings. Trust the word of God. Trust the word of God. We find that we're going to be caught up, harpazo, in 1 Thessalonians 4.16. We just read it. We're going to be caught up, or verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up, harpazo, not harpooned, but harpazoed in the Greek. We find to be caught up. Uh, we're going to be snatched away. In the, in the Latin language, it was rapturo. That's where we get our rapture from. It is not from, uh, it's not in the English, it's not in our uh, King James authorized version. But it was in the, the Latin Vulgate for a thousand years, which was the Bible of the church for a thousand years, that word rapture, raptural was in there. So we find that he's going to come back for, 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 for the church first. By the way, don't, don't, don't be frightened uh, or don't be wondering. Grandfather, grandparents, Trinity, Bible, and Sunday, neither are also found in our scripture. So because rapture's not in there, well, that word's not found in the Bible. You just have something wrong. Well, you just don't have that exact word. But we have the Trinity is clearly in scripture. If you just, I'm a Trinitarian. I trust you are not a Unitarian, not a Bitarian, if that's even a word. I'm a Trinitarian. And the Bible, I believe, clearly teaches that. I hope, I'll trust you have your thinking caps on because we're covering a lot of stuff today. But he spoke, and even Jesus spoke of a seven-year tribulation period, as did Daniel and Revelation. And let me ask you this question. If Daniel and John the Revelator spoke about this tribulation period, who ultimately spoke about the tribulation period? Jesus, God. Because is he not the Holy Spirit, the author of all the Scripture? Yes. So if he spoke about it through Daniel and Revelation, he spoke about it. He may never have said something, anything specifically about a man marrying a man. But I'm telling you, he said something through God's Word clearly about that. So you may not have in red letters. Have you ever thought about the red letters might be a, a little bit of a, could cast a little bit of a wrong angle in your thinking? People say, oh, God spoke the red letter words, but the rest he necessarily did not. Now, I like red letters. My Bibles, I got red letter edition. But remember, the red letters and the black letters are all from God. Not just the red letters. Now, he spoke those verbally. But the, he spoke those just as much as the ones he spoke verbally. So don't let that confuse you, please. So we believe in well, the pre-tribulation rapture. We also believe that Christ returns before the millennium. Now, what is mill? It means a thousand. If you ever played Millborn, that game, a thousand. 
We find that millennium means that thousand-year reign. So there are three primary views. There are the pre-millennial, the Christ comes back before. Now, just think, just think with me now, common sense. If he reigns on earth for a thousand years, does he not have to come back to earth before the thousand years to reign on the earth? Yes. So if you are pre-tribulation, he comes back for the church before the tribulation. Tribulation's over, he comes back to earth, and so he comes back before the millennium starts. Now there is the post-millennial view, and there's the all-ain't-no-millennium view. The all-millennium says, you know what, we're in the millennium now. We're going through all this, this is millennium now. The post-millennial says, the earth is going to get better and better and better, and then he's going to come back to a better earth. I'm looking around, I see no signs of the earth getting better. The people, I'm seeing signs of the people just degenerating unto a pre-flood world. That's what I see. You see what happens when there's no leadership in a country, a nation, or a world? Look back at Genesis chapter 6, the very few verses there. Exceedingly, matter of fact, it was so bad, Methuselah died. And the flood came, and only eight made it through the flood. That's how bad it was. I don't think we're there yet. Sometimes I wonder. But we're not there yet. But we're heading that direction. All millennium says there is no millennium. It goes along with replacement theology. If you heard the word replacement theology, you could even say Pastor Tim does not agree with that, so, and you should not agree with it either. Replacement theology, the church has replaced the church. We haven't replaced the church. Sorry. Of Israel. Is, church has replaced Israel. I'm sorry. Church has replaced Israel. We haven't replaced Israel. Israel is still a... They're God's chosen people. Isn't David going to reign? Aren't they going to reign? On the, aren't, aren't the cities of the new gates named for the apostles? Isn't Jesus going to reign from Israel for a thousand? Yes. Replacement theology says the church has replaced Israel and all these things of the Old Testament. Well, this... this well. Well, for example, before we close, Ezekiel 47. Ezekiel 47, and look at this. How are we going to answer? If we're already in the millennium and Israel's been replaced by the church, how do you answer this, this passage, for one? Ezekiel 47, this is during the millennial reign. There's a river coming out of the temple, and evidently the river there cleans out the Dead Sea to be used. 47, verse 8, if you would there, please. Ezekiel 47 verse 8, 9, and 10. Then he said unto me, these waters issue out toward the east country and go down into the desert and go into the sea, which being brought forth into the sea, the waters shall be healed. That would be the Dead Sea. And it shall come to pass that everything that liveth, which moveth, whithersoever the river shall come, shall live. And there shall be a very great multitude of fish because these waters shall come thither for they shall be healed and everything shall live whither the river cometh. And it shall come to pass that the fishers shall stand upon it from Engedi even unto Engelium. And they shall be a place to spread forth nets. Their fish shall be according to their kinds as the fish of the great sea exceeding many. The great sea Mediterranean sea a great many. How does this happen? I mean you go to Israel now it's, it's six times saltier than the ocean. Nothing lives in the Dead Sea. It's going down by about four feet per year. It's shrinking. Yet Ezekiel says during the millennial kingdom, it's going to be cleaned out by the river and they're going to be fishing there. So if you're an all-millennialist, there ain't no millennium. Pardon the grammar. Ain't no millennium. How do you account for that? The only thing that makes sense is a literal sense 
of what Scripture has, the historical, grammatical, literal interpretation of Scripture. Believe it for what it says. What does that mean, historical, literal, grammatical? It means that in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You believe that in the beginning, before anything else, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth, and in those six literal 24-hour days, he made it all. That is called historical, literal, grammatical interpretation of Scripture. Just listened to a podcast this week, part of it. A couple we're still good friends with. have gotten a little bit off on that, and he says, and they were saying how that, well, you know, there is evidence that there was a race before God created Adam and Eve. And I'm thinking, a literal, historical, grammatical interpretation, it is not in here. In the beginning. From the beginning. Adam, Jesus validates the teaching of Scripture in the beginning. So, in closing, what, what about all this? I think people need to be watching. You need to be prepared before I pray. Archimedes, one of the greatest of the ancient Greek mathematicians and scientists, was working on a math problem when his native city of Syracuse was conquered by the Roman general Marcellus, 212 B.C. The scientist ignored the final assault and continued working on his math problem while the enemy entered the gates of the city. As the Roman soldiers came down the street where Archimedes was, he continued to work on the problem in the sand and offered no resistance even as one of them ran him through with a sword and killed him. How many unbelievers are just like that? They hear the messages. They know their friends go to church. They know you go to church. Why do you go to church? What is it you have that I don't? What do you know that I don't? And they're going to be riding in the sand when the Lord comes back. And they're going to spend eternity apart from Christ. It's my responsibility. It is your responsibility to live the life and to talk the talk and to share what God has done for you with others. If you don't know Christ, would you get that settled even today? Let us pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Lord, there's a world around us just like Archimedes before you were even born, 200 years before you were born, who was riding in the sand, not paying a whit of attention to his surroundings. And there are people in America, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace. Lord, forgive me for being lackadaisical or just not striving or looking for more opportunities to share what you have done for me with others, what you want to do for them. Lord, if there even be one person, two, three, several here this morning that truly just do not know you as personal Savior, they've never done that, that they would come to know you for themselves even this day. And so, Lord, I pray that you work in hearts and lives. If we become careless in our service, may we confess that, repent, and get back on board with you. Bless the invitation time. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.